Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Stop, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during the time of enduring crisis. And I'm joined as always by the Archdeacon, the Reverend Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing? Good day, good day to you, Lindsay. Um, besides um, trying to uh, accommodate the cold, coldish weather in my life, we are doing quite well through the grace of God. And we're grateful for that, all of us as a family. And um, yeah, uh, trying to face the new challenges that the protocols have asked for us, given now an alert level lockdown three. And of course, this changes the ball game, um, which we th- which we think we used to because we had a level like this prior. But why why are we back there? Is the main question we have to be asking ourselves. So unfortunately, Lindsay, the downside is how to plan uh, for fifty people in church. Mm. Um, that's all that can register, and also to ensure that the live streaming is of a good quality when we mm. live stream those services and, and so forth. But that's the reality we have to face now. And um, um, yeah, it doesn't change much because, you know, we I have tried, my family have tried, and a lot of the people of the church I know have tried to ensure that they've kept the protocols, uh, even when our lockdown alert levels itself. But um, yeah, we, we, we've also got strict reminders from the bishop um, um, and I just hope that part of what you and I do in this explore, exploration of faith is to encourage people to, to take um, life, you know, seriously in terms mm. of protecting each other from um, dangers out there. Mm. No, definitely. Um, I heard a horror story. It's like you never would really want to know those stories. Uh, a client of mine up in Joburg, she went for a COVID test and her friend had passed away um, last week Friday because there were no available hospital beds in Johannesburg or Pretoria. He had to go out all the way to Port of Struam um, sure. and 24 hours after he got there he had passed away. Obviously there was just way too much time in between when he took a turn for the worst and yeah, it's it's crazy out there. Um, we have, I think it's ten thousand active cases in up in the Western Cape. Um, yeah. So yeah, please stay safe. Observe all protocols. Only go out if you need to. Um, I was actually going to suggest that I come over to you um, and do a in-person recording, obviously with decent social distancing as far as possible. Um, but yeah, uh, the way things are going now, even with your half um, full vaccination. I yes. my continuing immunities from my own little bout of COVID. Um, yeah, I w- would not risk that. So yeah, please, everybody stay as safe as possible. It is, of course, Father's Day today. And as Christians love to say, God is the Father. And there's a lot to talk about um, in the Gospels. The theme you have extracted is still the storm and restore calm, which is often the role 
of the father in the household when things are getting a bit crazy. Is that same for you? Yeah, I think um, yep. yeah, the the the, the pa- yeah the parent figure who can be able to just gather the anger in a calm way and then in gathering the anger, uh, which obviously is is an out of control atmosphere. Uh, to be able to then just um, allow the calm to come out and and um, touch everybody's um, level of stress. So mm-hmm. I think yes, the parenting mm-hmm. role is one that should be able to to do that. But then of course, there's many parents who themselves are out of control mm-hmm. uh, with the result that it ends up in um, in in warfare. Uh, 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 level of warfare in homes and sometimes we even read of and hear stories about uh, people grabbing weapons um, to to harm and hurt. I was always encouraged by a book I've got on my my shelf where the title was Teach Your Children to Be Peacemakers in Your Home. Teach your children to be peacemakers in the home. I mean, let's face it, the home with the family is the nucleus in the whole of society. And if you haven't done the core things with your children mm. and, and in terms of your own practice, you know, the um, baptism model of the Anglican Church is... Will you, by your own prayers, example, and teaching, um, you know, guide your child into this way of life uh, as a disciple of Jesus? And Mm. so um, we teach by example, less by words, um, because as they say, um, I can't hear what you're saying because who you ask speaks louder than your words. Mm. So the example is a very important uh, aspect. I just heard the other day, uh, which was a which was a kind of a blow, and they got lots of reaction in an American school where this white teacher had said that black children have no role models, mm. and of course she got a whole um, tsunami uh, vented against her. Dangerous thing to say because I mean that goes for all societies where role models are always lacking. But mm. parents have an important role to teach children how to deal with storms and how to calm, how to restore calm again. That's, I mean that those words are a mouthful that we have to explore ever so deeply. Mm. No, definitely. Um, Father, if you could please call us together with the words of the collective prayer for both this Sunday and for Youth Day. I, I see they are too, and we still need to celebrate, although it was quite a dour atmosphere because of the lockdown level three regulations that were announced the day before, and then all the corruption that is happening. I think it is still important to remember the message of hope that rests within Youth Day of like, if we stand together and fight for the good of the collective, that we will prevail. Thank you, Lindsay. And uh, thank you very much for giving us leadership in this part of ensuring that faith is nurtured 
during this time of COVID. Uh, my brothers and sisters, I greet you as you um, log in to this podcast with the words, the Lord who is a stronghold in times of trouble be with you. Those words are from the psalm. We go on to do the collect for the day. And we're still in the octave of remembering the importance of Youth Day. So these collects will appear on your screen and please pray them with me. First, the collect for the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. Let us pray. God, our protector, your son stilled the storm and restored calm. Stand with us through all life's storms. Give us courage to protect those who face danger, that all may know you as their stronghold and hope through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Then the collect for Youth Day is also in our prayer book. Father of everlasting compassion, you see your children growing up in an uncertain and confusing world. Show them the path of life. Enable them to triumph over failure and frustration, to hold fast their faith in you, and to keep alive their joy in your creation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Lindsay. Father, the first reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. Uh, I'm going to choose a few short ones, um, just quotes here, and then I will make my point after that. Um, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Then I'm going to go further down, and then we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children. Widen your hearts also. Ah. <laughs> I I've been, when, when I read this and in the gospel, which is the calming of the sea, in the context of a Father's Day. I was struck with the idea of like, what is faith? Because obviously, yeah, the Corinthians are, they have been led astray a little bit through their own kind of internal um, conflicts. And now they're being ministered to um, and being told that now is the day of salvation and that what is holding them back from salvation is their own affections. And then in the gospel, the apostles are scared of the storm and they wake Jesus up and he calms the storm and he's like, dude, don't you have faith yet? Um, so what what is the nature of faith and human nature? Thanks, Lindsay, for, for that. Um... I I certainly believe, and we've had this conversation already, that mm. when God created us, he created us with potential. 
and possibility that through our formation within the human family, with our biological family, uh, the human family has educational structures, it has um, structures to express ourselves, structures to discover and research uh, thing, experiences out there that we can um, understand our development, uh, understand the world, understand the things that have gone before us, and perhaps even understand what is currently happening. And so try to make sense and, and get meaning and find a sense of self in all of this. And, and so that potential, that um, possibility to believe is there in us. Um, you know, we're so inclined, for example, we study for the exam, but when somebody asks us, are we ready? We are always having the negative. Mm. We, we don't have the confidence to say, well, I've studied as best that I could, and I'm honestly saying that I believe that I'm able to address the questions that will come my way, given what I have studied. If I truly applied myself, there will be a way in which I'll be able to respond to the paper set before me. But we don't always come out of our stalls with that kind of an expression. So somehow within us, we don't have the, we don't exercise and grow in that potential to believe. And as we said, reading Hebrews chapter 11, faith is believing even beyond what we are able to see with our, with our eyes. We, we, what we experience, we are also saying, is there not something better than this? And how do I work my way towards that? So I think we, 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 we are given that potential to believe. I, we were exploring this thing this morning with the lay ministers, and we were asking the question, we were sort of a question that was put for the lay ministers forum. How do we nurture our faith during COVID times? And um, it spoke about something jointly experienced by humanity that we all seem to have agreed we've got a common sense of faith, a common uh, ability to believe and to grow. But what in the Christian context is that? The Christian context is that faith is believing that God has made us for himself. And so our hearts are restless until we find rest in him. So it's it's recognizing that God made us to be in fellowship and therefore relationship with himself. And and that relationship is based based from our side on our faith response to God, on our obedience to God, on our collaboration uh, uh, with God, on our um uh, celebrating God's steadfast love, uh, God's forgiveness, God willing us to to repent, God helping us to become pursuers of justice and mm. peace and the creation of a better world by starting with improving our marriages, our home life, our family life, our neighborhoods uh, where, where people can grow up being peacemakers rather than uh, destroyers of, 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 of um, social living. So I certainly believe that it's faith is relational mm-hmm. because at our mother's breast, we had to trust that what she was feeding us with 
even though we couldn't express it, we were expressing it by drinking from her, by being cuddled in her arms, by being held. Our bodies were weak, so we had to trust somebody. And we cried when we got hurt. We mm. cried when we were not fed. So I certainly believe that at our mother's breasts, we are we were being our, our formation in terms of becoming people of faith was really fasted there. And of course, when we were brought into to the Christian sphere, we were told scripture helps us in our relationship with God. So mm. that's answering one part of your or that's <laughs> responding to one part of your question. Um, looking at the quotes you had given, the author tells us even in the midst of the troubledness that this congregation was going through with each other, um, that doesn't dispel um, this as a, a favorable time, an opportune time, uh, if we would just listen that it becomes a day of salvation, a day of transformation, a day in which we are set free from these strict parameters we've placed around us by being in hostility with each other. Mm. And if you really went that down to the, to the what's his name, um, uh, down to the wire, we would actually see where we've put ourselves in in these frames out of fear we are hostile to each other we don't want we are in competition so we don't want to lose an argument we don't want to be less than others would think we are so there's a whole lot of things going on but it's based on him saying these words we appeal to you not to receive the grace of god in vain mm. god poured out his grace in his son jesus christ and our response to this is to work with him, the works of grace, in a conflict, in in a context where there is so much conflict and confusion, mm -hmm. and so the the gift of God's grace is a way in which God helps us to be restored to Himself and Christ to be restored to each other. Mm -hmm. If we don't take that path. We will continue to be those who probably create the storm and become the storm. So there's so much inner chaos in people who create the storm for unwanted reasons or selfish reasons or reasons for fear that every time they open up their mouths, every time they do something, it is unfortunately something of a storm. Somehow inside themselves, the calm had not settled. So do we say that such people were holding on? Because some people want to hold on to the storm because it means I can keep you in bondage and you must take the responsibility that my life is not going right mm. because you did this or you didn't do that. So, so it's, it's, it's allowing yourselves not to take responsibility. Working together within Paul is saying, you must take responsibility. I'm appealing to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He's saying, take responsibility for the gifts you have received. And look for the opportunity that even in the midst of the storm, it can be the day that God's salvation becomes real for you. So 
So Paul, in fact, says God does not run away, but God has gifted us with grace to be able to deal with all the human storms we may possibly face. And some of them are very critical ones. In the prayers, we talk about this ongoing problem with gender-based violence, mm. which, you know, is a reality every day. What do they say? Every 26 seconds in our country, a woman is abused in one mm. or 26 seconds. Um, and so, and so widen your hearts. And he says this, does it mean our hearts are narrowed? <laughs> narrowed in the sense that we, we only fight about this little thing without looking ourselves being part of a bigger whole. Why are we so um, shallow in our humanity? Why? I remembered one priest saying, the problem with Christians today is that their sense of God is too small. So we put God into our box mm. and we want him to operate as this small, insignificant God. But that's not the portrayal of the Bible. That's not how mm. Jesus said God. And so there's really some work. Widen up your hearts. You've got to do some work on yourself. you really got to look at yourself here. Grace is made available. God's waiting for your cooperation. In spite of the storm, they, this is a time, an opportune time for salvation. And we want to tell you, whilst we don't put any obstacles in anybody's way, we are treated as as imposters. Others are putting obstacles in our way, but that doesn't deter us from being open to working with God, who's given us the gift of grace, and using those opportunities of, of opposition, of enmity, as a possibility for salvation. Mm. Indeed. Um, I, this might sound very controversial. Well, actually, it is very controversial. I fully accept responsibility as a male um, that the gender-based violence and violence against children issue is perpetrated by men, and it is a major, major existential issue in South African society. I do, however, reject the notion that this is some form of femicide because if you weigh up the numbers of people who get killed on the daily in South Africa, men far outweigh the number of women who get killed every single day. So I reject the fact that it is a femicide. I know um, it's sometimes language used to capture the direness of the situation the seriousness of it and to be sensational. Um, but I, I, I don't think it, it does our society any, any 
favours to be weighing up whether or not this is femicide or the other. Um, on that, I, <laughs> I'm going to expose a little bit, uh, like the core of my agnosticism is Freudian. Um, and it's based on a book that I read. I was, I think I was a little bit too young when I did read it the first time. Um, but the future of an illusion where Freud argues that religion is a false belief system. Um, he frames it in his illusion, but in his own words, he says that illusions, illusions do not necessarily need to be false, or they are not necessarily false. The problem that he has is that religion is passed down in three ways. It is our primal ancestors already believed in them because we possess proofs that have been handed down to us from antiquity and because it is forbidden to raise the question of authenticity at all. And I, I liked how you spoke of the idea of God being small and then um, salvation being made available where it can be your day of salvation because this whole idea of faith is grounded in our wishes like our idea of or, or christianity's idea of everlasting life is because humans want everlasting life and it's like we characterize god as a father because the father's traditional role like throughout history has been the protector and the layer down of the law and because of like those gender in inequalities that have persisted like throughout time so I, I i take to heart this idea that the more we question why we believe things the more we find what the actual truth of our faith is. And I think that's more empowering. And it's the same with like women who are in abusive relationships because they have constructed this idea that has carried on from their faith and they've superimposed it over marriage. And now it's like this man that cannot be questioned and the love must endure and it's suffering and all of that because there's this this wish that this person will be perfect or they will change or they will stop hitting them and yeah i've i've, I've stated it many times before I, I i think it's 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 a it's a real problem and i did not wish it from the start um i did not consciously build it into the foundation of this podcast, but I hope that if people hear me question, that they will also question and then find a deeper relationship with faith. Well, it, it reminds me of what Jesus asked the father whose son was having an epileptic fit that was understood to be uh, the action of a demon inside the boy when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples who were down in the valley praying for this young man was their prayers didn't seem to be working. And Jesus did talk about the need for faith. He asked the father, do you believe? And this father's words were very important. Said, Lord, I believe. Now, isn't that where we are as Christians? 
I do believe, but it will be false for me to say I believe everything mm. um, all at once. Faith is a journey. It's a relational journey with God. You know, you say we need to question. I would say yes, but I would see it more as exploring things through questioning. Not just, you know, uh, bold-faced questioning, but really say, okay, I, I don't believe this, but it's come up. Let me find out what is more, what, what, what it's really about. And then I can say, well, I may be able to believe this about it, but definitely not the other things around it. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of trimmings that people put on to things. Um, uh, we, we dealt some time ago with Acts chapter 15, where the whole issue was, must they become circumcised um, mm. to become Christians? So, so they said, well, <laughs> the Spirit came upon them even when they were uncircumcised. What? So it's really, theology is about really what God is doing and how we reflect mm. on, on that which, which is revealed in here. So I certainly would believe, would, would understand that um, you know, I would, I would, so I would see the exploration. I would like to go back to, to also saying that, you know, we give names to, um, for our statistics, mm. for, for stats. There's mm. a word like femicide and there's a word like homicide. Um, now, the question, of course, is do more, we could also say do more, do more men die because women are killing them or because men are killing men? Do we look at are women killing women or is it men killing women? Now, we can go down all of that, but for me, it's about humanity. Mm. Our gender is just part of us, but, but it's about the fact that one human being dies, whether they are male or female. Um, the fact that one human being dies in the gruesome ways that people um, kill one another is, for me, the tragedy. Now we can say, well, it was sad that, you know, when we look, because now we look at divisions, like, so now in humanity, there's a division of gender. Mm. And I suppose those things inform us that we have to deal with some, but I think it's around how do we feel about our humanity and the shared humanity that we have with one another? And, and, and why, why are we, in terms of, of, of the scriptures, often being called to just look what Paul says in verse 13 of that. In return, I speak to children. Mm. So he could have said, you know, now I, I, I'm speaking to all the troubled children in this congregation, but they are children who are not troubled. Mm. But he groups them all together because who of us are not troubled? And any, even even the, 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 the illusion of innocence uh, could be the start of trouble. So mm. we mustn't, you know, uh, uh, we, we're all in this together. So that's for me the, the, important, the important thing. And there as a father, he's saying, I, am speak, I speak as to children. So he's taking the role of the father there mm. to call this congregation to its senses. Widen your hearts also. Our, wide, our hearts are wide. Your hearts need to be wide. You're restricted by your own affections. And that, I think, is where the whole thing of hostility and anger. I mean, we, 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 uh, people would argue, 
Um, I killed her because she made me angry. Mm. Instead of looking at the other way, I became angry with her. So I'm angry at what she did. She didn't make me angry. I became angry. And I've got to take responsibility. So what did I do with my anger to address this thing? And is murder the right way to do this? Of course it's not. But but people don't think in in in, the, in those veins. So so coming back to another point you made, Freud says religion is a system. Mm. So when when we are born in, in our human state into the world, does that mean we enter into systems that are already there? Because if you can argue that religion is a system, then you can you can say that those who claim to be non-religious, that's also a system. So are we as people living with systems and what? One of, one of the authors that I've read, I found this Brilliant. He talks about Jesus coming to speak about the kingdom of creation mm. against the kingdom of the empire. Which I thought was a brilliant way of looking at. We are either governed by the empire or we are and, and work for that or we're governed by the creation, which is also the kingdom of, of God. But how many of us are aware we are caught up in systems? It's mm. it's not, you know, we born into a family. That's a system of existence. But we don't, how many of us even understand what that means? Then we want to start our own family. And many fail badly. And some resist that system, but then they structure their own system. So I think we should tell babies when they come into the womb, come out of the yeah, you're born into systems here, but you must choose how you're going to live in it and how to respond to it. How to contribute to it and how to break systems that are destructive down. Because I said to a friend of mine who said to me, he can't imagine people living on a pension of 1,400 rand a month when his groceries are that a week and he's a single man. So I said to him, the fact that you said it in that way said to me that you are living with the illusion of wealth. Mm. Now, many people, just because you've got money in the bank, doesn't mean that's reality. Because that money is being changed every day by the, the stock exchange, by the interest rates. So people wake up in the morning wondering if they still have money in the bank because hackers may have gotten older standard bank the night before. These are all illusions we live with. So my question, therefore, is everything, as, as, as Freud said, everything illusional in life? Where is the reality? What is the realness? Um, and is in the words working to with him then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain is the Christian church or faith-based communities called to help people let go of illusions and enter into a meaningful faith-based relationship faith is real mm. 
I think when you're saying working together with him is a way of saying, I'm responding to this God who showers us with grace. I'm working with him. This is my expression of faith. Mm. Because I know that through grace, I can I can see a favorable time. I can look beyond the chaos. We address this whole thing with the prayer for youth day. Your children, you see your children growing up in an uncertain and confusing world. Is it illusional to say that the world is uncertain and confusing? Is that the reality that we and our children are faced with? And who creates the world to be confusing and and uncertain? Mm. And then our prayer is, Father, everlasting compassion. Again, we're addressing God as Father, parent. Show them the path of life. Able them to triumph over failure and frustration and to hold fast their faith in you. Mm. You know, praying for faith response in our young people to keep alive their joy in your creation. Is God's creation then the reality that we live with? not the illusions we create out of that reality. Mm. Mm. And so do I believe in an illusion or do I believe in the reality of the but, creation and of the creator? So so the illusion is only an illusion if it is, if your belief is founded in your wishes, like a little girl who grows up in a poor community who believes that um, a prince, one day her prince will come and marry her and she'll live the fabulous life. That is not an, a falsehood because that could happen on like within the spectrum of reality that could very much happen. But it's the belief that's based like on her wishes. So so my 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 challenge is always to to people to alter your relationship with what you believe in. Like find that proper meaning. Like I, I have friends who, who get who are very faithful people. Like they do preaching and all this stuff. And they always get they always think that I'm trying to shake their faith or to to make them non-believers to see the truth. Where it's always it's it's never that. It's I'm I'm just trying to find what it is that you actually believe in, like where your belief is rooted. That we had the argument about grace um, two weeks ago, where you were saying that you get given grace by the Father. And I was like, no, but the grace exists in you. Like it, it's it's just through meditation and all of that. And like the way you've you've suppressed your your natural instincts, which are quite destructive, as Freud does point out. Um, you have unlocked that potential within yourself to have the grace. It's not been given to you from a higher power. That that's like my argument. <clears throat> Well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you back to Paul's words that I, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God. Amen. I'm in this world as one called to work with God. Mm. 
And when I look at God's revelation through creation, I experience the sense of grace. When I look at the other day, this came up. Um, Jesus in Matthew says, look at the birds of the air. Do they rise up early in the morning and go late to bed? Yet, God feeds them. They're never without a meal. Does the lilies of the field worry about the fashion statement they've got to make? They're always beauty. So I see grace at work in the beauty, in the, in the mercy God shows to, 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 to make of his creation good. So for me, that is the grace, of course, for me is fully realized in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm coming into a world, I'm born into a world where there's already, I need to understand with whom I'm going to, and if this world is going to be a place in which I become a conduit through which God's grace uh, flows, because I believe we do need grace. We don't know how to speak to one another. We don't know how to listen to one another. We don't have to work with one another. So now we're at war with each other all the time. Mm. But war in the home so easily uh, is created as well. Mm. So, so my thing would be, is my wishes not illusional? How do I know that in dreaming to be married to a prince, will necessarily um, cause me happiness. That's the, that's the illusion created in stories. Now, yeah. stories they say are written because it must widen your imagination. But is it possible that, I mean, when somebody explored all of the stories in the, in the, in the, in the um, animations, he said, he found more violence there mm. than some in some of the adult movies that are, 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 are showed. So, yeah, maybe in his thinking, illusion and reality has got a very fine line between it. Mm. Now, when, Paul, when the Hebrew writer says faith is, is about looking and believing beyond what we can see, is that illusion that he's calling us to? Is that the reality of God who created the world in the way that it did? Beyond our imagination. I mean, those many, I've met people who claim not to believe in God at all, but they want to walk all the mountain trails of the world. They want to explore the beauty of creation and still they have problems. What they see is a reality, but mm. what they what they believe or what they don't want to believe for them is the illusion that God created the, this what's his name and that actually the reason why I wanted to walk these paths is to actually I'm inquisitive about who created this thing why is it so unique what what about creation draws me to do this mm. um I mean, I, I, I sat with a man who, whose whole life was portrayed as an agnostic. But in his dying days, he held my hand and just listened. A priest that just taught, came onto his doorstep, wasn't even his own priest. He was just the priest of his wife. 
What about that moment did Anton need more than just saying, I don't believe? That for me was, was that, that for me was a moment beyond any form of illusion that I could, that was reality. Man was faced with death in his old age. Yes, I think that sometimes, sometimes, I'm not, I'm not, sometimes the church often offers people illusional, illusional um, incidents, you know. Um, there's a document that documented that came up the other day. Is this really healing? Or is it illusional? Mm. Are those who are praying for you? Now, I certainly believe we can pray for healing and that God does heal. But I think it's 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 looking at this must be a miraculously powerful. Only then can it come from God. But if God doesn't make it, I must find a way to get these people to believe that I'm from God. So I could actually become use tricks to con people to believe this. So so we can actually, in the religious systems of the world, create an illusion to believe in that is not real. We can believe in God, uh, the perception of God from other people's views that is probably not even the real God. Mm. Because, I mean, the, uh, the mysterious one is what one author calls God. Um, the closest we can ever get to God is in the person of Jesus. Mm. But there so is I, a problem. Sorry? <laughs> there is a problem with, with, with that idea. And it presents itself quite explicitly in, in the gospel, which is according to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Um, I'm going to start from verse 36. And leaving the crowd behind, they took with them in the they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Then the wind ceased and there was dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? So here is a dude who just calmed a storm and is asking mere mortals why they are scared and have they not faith? so these are like fishermen like experienced fishermen they've seen storms they know how this movie ends <laughs> of yeah. course they were scared <laughs> like like expecting anything more of them is is just too much like i think jesus is being unfair here and i think this idea of him being the miracle worker of like calming the storm immediately just perpetuates this illusion of what a deity is supposed to be, what what a faith experience is supposed to be. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting that, again, my, my reading of the scripture brings me to this point always. Why? Are you afraid? And Jesus, in the same sentence, asks two questions. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Are 
Is fear the opposite of faith? Or is doubt the opposite of faith? Hmm. No, it is fear. Okay, <laughs> this is the way you explain. Right. Now, my reading of the scripture is this. The, you, you said they were seasoned fishermen. Mm. I, I agree with you. This wasn't the first storm they encountered. We don't know from the stories that are written in the Gospels how they responded to those storms. Mm. Did they mm. exercise any sense of faith in their ability to keep their ship from sinking? Um, if we go to the Jonah story, what happened? They had to throw stuff overboard and eventually to throw through Jonah overboard. Now that that's a parable, but it could be a parable related to what could be happening when there was a storm at sea in those days in the Acts of the Apostles. Mm. Um, the, the Paul Paul was also on a ship where they had to throw stuff overboard in order to 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 watch them. Again, I was watching some clips of of boats on the sea and 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 they they've got this new boat now that is unsinkable. Uh, apparently, oh gosh, <laughs> they, they showed and how fast it goes over sea. And they, I looked at you know, it was quite interesting how people, uh, you know, built all of these things. In, into I've, I've seen that movie so, before, Things of the Iceberg. <laughs> right now, you see there, you see there, you see there. So, so that, does it mean they didn't exercise or did was expectation created that if Jesus is in this boat with us, then. We won't need to go through a storm. Did they see on the horizon? Did they see clouds arising? Did they look at the weather? Were the signs of the storm already there? So we are assuming a lot of things that we think if we were given it, we would have understood it, but that's not the point of the story. So this is what I understand. Jesus portrays God's presence and God's silence. And how do we respond to the God who is present but silent? Are our prayers that which wakes God up from sleep? David said, Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So this story says to me, we serve a God who is always with us, even though he may not be saying anything. He may seem to be asleep, but it's his presence that matters. And now they were looking for a God who will save them from the storm. And a God who is silent is a God, according to them, who doesn't care about perishing. Yet this was the same God who said, I sent my son because I love the world so much. So that they do not perish, but come to faith in him. So the question at the end that is important, who then is this? Even the wind and the bay and the waves obey. 
we often look for the God who can shout at the storm and, and calm the waters. We can't deal with the same God who is silent and yet ever present. Mm-hmm. Do we trust in a God who is silent and yet present? Does the presence of the living God not speak for itself? And yet, yes, we need to touch base that far more exercising of faith in our lives, the whole nurturing of our faith, we are far more tuned into. Um, fear is a is a primitive response to survival, not faith. So how do we survive on a faith that's being nurtured through life's experiences? Rather than allow the primitive response, that uncultivated response, that untamed response of fear, get hold of us. Why is it that Jesus says you still have no faith? Means you should be having faith. You should be growing. Um, your, Your faith is being nurtured, but why are you far more concentrated on your fear? Why more in touch with your fear than you are with your faith? And how do we respond to a God who is present? It reminds me of that um, Ezekiel passage where he was looking for God in this, in the in the wind. There was no sound, no, no, what's his name? But it was in that still, small voice. You make a good point, and I think that is a good way to end this discussion from my side. Um, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Please um, stay safe and look out for the best interests of society. And thank you very much for this enriching conversation, Father. If you could please extract a few um, more points of reflection from the prayers of the church and add a few more sprinklings of wisdom. Okay, thanks. If you permit me, tomorrow is also in our liturgy prayers for refugee day. Mm. Refugee Sunday is tomorrow. So if you would permit me, um, to con- to include them as well. My sisters and brothers, I, I want to confirm for myself what Lindsay has said. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Nope, these prayers that we pray around the Father's Day theme will really speak to your hearts and to your minds, daddies, um, that you could, um, or, you know, um, be able to... Um, Um, be nurtured by the challenges that these prayers bring up. Let us continue to wait upon the Lord in whose word is our hope. So the prayers for Father's Day is that God, our Heavenly Father, will bless our earthly fathers, especially today, for the many times they reflected the love strength, generosity, wisdom, and mercy that you amplify, O Lord, in your relationship with us, your children. We honor our fathers for putting our needs above their own convenience and comfort, for teaching us to show courage, determination in the face of adversity, 
challenging us to move beyond self-limiting boundaries, for modeling the qualities that would turn us into responsible and principled caring adults. Heavenly Father, not all our fathers lived up to these ideals. Give them the grace to acknowledge and learn from their mistakes. Give us the grace to extend to them the same forgiveness that you offer us all and help us to resist the urge to stay stuck in bitter, in past bitterness. Instead, moving forward with humility and peace of heart. We ask your blessing on these men who served as father figures in our lives when our biological fathers weren't able to do so. May the love and selflessness they showed us be returned to them in all their relationships and help them to know that their influence has changed us for the better. Give new and future fathers the guidance they need to raise happy and holy children grounded in the love for God and other people. And remind these fathers that treating their wives with dignity, compassion and respect is one of the greatest gifts they can give their children. We pray for our fathers who have passed into the next life, have been welcomed into your loving embrace. All our family will one day be reunited in your heavenly kingdom, in union with St. Joseph, whom you entrusted with your son. Now we ask your generous blessings today and every day. For those who are fathers, we ask for wisdom and humility in the face of the task of parenting. Bless them, Lord, with the strength to do well by their children and by you. We also have the responsibility to pray for refugees. Um, today, we, Lord Jesus, today you call us to welcome the members of God's families who've come to our land to escape oppression, poverty, persecution, violence, and war. Like your disciples, we too are filled with fear and doubt and even suspicion. We build barriers in our hearts and in our minds. So help us by your grace to banish fear from our hearts, that we may embrace each of your children as our own sisters and brothers, to welcome migrants and refugees with joy and generosity responding to their many needs, and to realize that you call all people to your holy mountain to learn the ways of peace and justice, share of our abundance as you spread a banquet before us, to give witness to your love for all people as we celebrate many gifts. We continue, Lord, to pray in a time when COVID-19, the infections have been rising. We also heard of the international threat of a new variant, which is more easily transmittable, as well as affecting younger people. Um, and so we pray for, for, for this reality. Savior of the COVID is humbling. Your grace is sufficient. The deaths we mourn, for the recoveries we give thanks, for the compassionate care we applaud, the vaccines we are grateful, for your compliance we plead, and for the common cause we pray. As into the gender-based violence reality, that the Goliath, which is the violence, you may give us, like David, victory, which empowers victims to arise unashamed and protect protectors of violence to bow in repentance. And so we conclude this podcast with gratitude to God and to 
the wonderful interaction with Lindsay, these generosity to to do this with with us as well as for his family giving him the time to so do it. My sisters and brothers, God has revealed God's love to us. Jesus sends us into the world as he was sent. In the power of the Holy Spirit, may we as church obey the command to make disciples of all people. The blessing of God Almighty, our Creator, our Liberator and Life Giver be with you. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.